Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. A blockbuster trade for the Las Vegas Raiders. They are trading for star receiver Devontae Adams, and they are making him the highest-paid receiver in NFL history. This is a earth-shattering trade for the Packers and certainly for the Las Vegas Raiders and quarterback Derek Carr, who gets his good buddy. Two-part situation. First, colleague Tom Pelissero told us that Chandler Jones is headed to the Raiders. Now I am told Yannick Ngakwe, the standout pass rusher for the Las Vegas Raiders, is going to the Indianapolis Colts in a deal that includes cornerback Rock Yassin. Welcome to Just Pod Baby and Raider Nation. Let's go. I am Evan Grote. Has it sunk in yet? Go ahead. You can pinch yourself now. I'm sure many of you woke up on Friday morning thinking that maybe, just maybe, you were having a really nice dream. But your dreams have now become a reality. What a week it was for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. After a slow start, the fan base was getting a little bit concerned, a little uneasy, a little impatient during the early stages of the legal tampering period. But they got aggressive in a hurry and made a flurry of signings and trades on Wednesday and Thursday. You heard the audio of Ian Rappaport there, courtesy of the NFL Network. Uh breaking the news and when you look at the current state of this roster with the moves that have been made this week at least on paper sure there are some there there are still some some holes that remain on this roster but this Raiders team looks to be as competitive as any team in the AFC right now now how quickly all of these new pieces can come together and mesh you know you got to keep in mind there's an all new offensive scheme there's an all new defensive scheme those times do those things do take time. How quickly they can get up to speed and, and get things going during the season, that's going to be a big part of it. But I don't think anyone any longer can point the finger at the lack of talent as being the problem uh, on this roster. Now, before we dive into it all, I do want to remind you that Just Pod Baby is brought to you by SportsNot.com. And also, head over to JustPodBaby.com. All of the past episodes of the podcast are archived on the website, so it's just another way for you to uh, tune in and listen to the show. Now, the rundown for this week is to obviously discuss the big news involving Devontae Adams, as well as the addition of Chandler Jones, Rocky Sin, and many of the other players. We're going to get into all of it. And I thought it would be a really good idea to bring in some of the guests, some guest beat writers from some of the teams that covered some of these new faces um, that are going to be playing for the Raiders to give you, you know, an insider's point of view uh, to get you familiar with some of these guys. So we'll chat with Patrick Finley from the Chicago Sun-Times who covered Bilal Nichols, Jonas Schaefer from the Baltimore Sun. We'll chat with him about Anthony uh, Averett, uh, new cornerback, and and Alan uh, Pupret, um, 
Poupart, excuse me, <laughs> who covers the Dolphins for Sports Illustrated, will give us the lowdown on Mac Hollins. These uh, interviews are going to be a little bit more brief. Not as long as the traditional interviews that I normally conduct, and uh, you know I'm going to continue to work on getting some of the uh, some somebody from the Colts. I reached out to a few Colts people this week, but um, couldn't get someone to to come on with me as well as the Patriots. Uh, I'm going to see if I can get you know s- some help from them next week to again help us become a little bit more familiar with some of the newest members of the Silver and Black. But this week, I do want to begin by getting you uh, all caught up with the big news from the week. Of course, uh, last week I was off, and that's when the, the the news of Max Crosby signing his mega deal came down. And that was a move that we expected now for a long time. We, we knew this was going to happen, and I'm glad to see they got it done. Max has been nothing but a class act since joining the Raiders uh, as part of that 2019 draft class. And he's been a very productive player on the field, and he has really developed into um, a, a, a huge leadership role as a captain of this team a year ago. Still only 24 years old, just now uh, starting to enter the, the prime of his career. I expect him to continue to build on that outstanding uh, 2021 campaign. I, I expect to see the pressure numbers remain high and and and, and, and even more production uh, from from the sacks total. I want I expect him to to see him uh, reach double digit sacks again this year. Now now um, let's talk about the the other uh, new additions or or I should say the new additions to the team. And you have to start with the centerpiece. Devontae Adams is now a Raider. I'm still stunned by the move. I was in the camp that didn't think it was possible. Uh, I didn't think there was any way he would leave Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, but really it became a perfect storm uh, for the Raiders. And it was, um, there was a, a number of factors involved, um, none more uh, apparent than the relationship between Derek Carr and Adams. That is a big one for sure. Adams also felt you know, very disrespected uh, towards the end. I think this is something that he's he's felt for a long time. He gave Green Bay uh, more than an opportunity to 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 get a deal done with him. He was a good soldier. He he uh, produced this year once again. And and when it came time um, to to give him that big payday, they opted to put the franchise tag on him, and, and that was really the final straw, I believe, uh, for him. And and at that point. You know, money was no longer the driving force. We now know the Packers were willing to offer him more money, but the damage was already done to the relationship um, at that point. And, and uh, you know, uh, when you have a, a possible option, you know, Derek Carr w- was doing some heavy recruiting. Um, the two are great friends. We know this. And, and, and when Adams knew that he had a, another option, once that relationship was damaged, he knew he could get out of there and go play for a, a team that he was willing to play for uh, and a quarterback that he felt comfortable with. And, and, and the rest is history. Dave Ziegler, uh, Ziegler, excuse me, pounced on it. And, and now uh, Devontae Adams is a Raider. And, and, and the compensation, uh, when you look at that, more than fair from a Raiders uh, perspective, only having to give up two picks, uh, 2022 round one and two picks. Um, they didn't have to mortgage the future to get a superstar in the contract. It's huge. Don't get me wrong. $28 million, you know, highest paid wide receiver ever. Uh, that's a lot of money. Uh, but you're getting arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Although I think Cooper cup, 
uh, might have something to say about that. But nonetheless, this is a big time move uh, for the Raiders, and he he immediately steps in uh, and fills a huge void uh, for this team, and and that is no longer a void at this point. The weapons that Carr now has, this is by far the best weaponry he has had as a Raider. They need to continue to shore up the offensive line. That should be uh, the next task that needs to be checked off the list. Uh, but when you look at uh, the additions, having a, a much uh, more modern and creative play caller in Josh McDaniels, um, having a piece like uh, Devontae Adams scoring point, points should, should not be an issue for this offense. Uh, the red zone offense should not be a problem. And, uh, you know, everyone benefits from something like this. When you're bringing in a player of this caliber, the quarterback, Derek Carr, for sure is going to benefit from it. Renfro, Waller, Jacobs, everyone involved, it's a win for them. Everyone's job got that much easier with the addition of a guy like Devontae Adams. Now, I want to jump over to the defense. Um, Chandler Jones, another surprise move. I did not see this one coming. Uh, and, and then, of course, the the trade of Yannick Ngakwe for Rock Yassin. Um, I, I really like the addition um, of Yassin, uh, and I think it's an important one for the defense. And, and rightfully so, it's not getting as much press and coverage as some of the other moves, but the Raiders badly needed a cornerback um, because when you look around the 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 landscape of the division you know they've got some some tough wide receivers to go up against we know what what's in Kansas City we know what what what, what the Chargers have and and now that Russell Wilson is is um delivering the ball to some of those weapons in in Denver you got to get some corners that can cover they've got the pass rushers you got to have a corner that can cover and i'm not saying that he's the next jalen ramsey but this guy is more than serviceable i really liked him coming out of temple uh i i recall watching um a, a ton of coverage of the senior bowl that year when he came out and uh i, I really liked what I, I saw from him in the senior bowl he's a physical guy uh, he excels in man-to-man coverage and that is what patrick graham wants in his corners and now there's reports out there that Stefan Gilmore is still a target uh, for the Raiders still being heavily pursued but at this point nothing has been finalized with him uh, so we'll just have to stay tuned to that but getting back to Chandler Jones a lot to like about this one one of the top edge rushers uh, in the NFL over the last decade 107 and a half career sacks um, uh, future Hall of Famer and I would think that you know when I look at the move and and some of the logic behind the move has to do a little bit more with scheme fit and his ability to to set a better edge or a stronger edge against the run. Um, we know he can get after the quarterback. We know that. Um, so I, I like the addition of him, although I do have some reservations. I have to be honest with you. Um, you know, I'm going to give you both sides of the story. That's what I try to do here. Keep it objective. He is 32 years old. Okay. Um, and he had 10 and a half sacks last year. Five of those sacks came in week one. Um, so I, I, I do think it's fair to say that his best years are behind him. I don't know if, if you can expect him to hit 19 sacks again, like he did just a couple seasons ago. Um, and when you look at Ngakwe, who they, they traded, um, 
you know, um, in that deal, or um, excuse me, um, yeah, who they traded for Rocky Yassin, um, when they no longer needed his services, you know, he's only 26 years old and it's still in his prime, had a very productive year this year. And, you know, I, I just think that that's, that's a six year difference. You, that's a long time. That's a, a lot more production you could have gotten from, from Yannick. Um, you know, I do wonder how many real good years Jones has left in, in the tank. But again, when you combine the fact that you get a, a really good cornerback in the deal, uh, you have to look at it as a win for the Raiders. Now, I think the biggest takeaway from these splash signings and trades that have happened here this week is that Dave Ziegler believes this team has a window where they can win right now. When you go out and you add two future Hall of Famers to your roster and a, and a really good cornerback in Yassin, okay, you're throwing big money at these guys. You're sending the message to not only the team, but to the fan base that it's go time. And, and, and I've agreed, uh, you know, that it's not a complete rebuild right now. Yes, there are big needs, um, and you could always expect there to be a lot of turnover uh, when there's a new regi- when a new regime comes in, but they they have addressed some of those needs with high end talent, and, and now the task should be to continue to just round out this roster. And I'm not sure I haven't I haven't looked at the salary cap situation. What remains? Um, you know they're going to have some money coming. Um, uh, they're going to have some, tw- I believe, $20 million in cap space with those post-June 1st cuts that they've made. So they're going to have some money left over. Uh, I believe some of that is going to have to go towards extending Derek Carr. But Raider fans, you should be very satisfied. And, in, 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 you know, looking back just a week ago on paper, this is all on paper, uh, the Raiders had what I believed was the fourth best roster in the division. Uh, that is no longer the case. That is no longer the case. The tide has shifted and things are much more even as they currently stand. Uh, okay, so those are some of my thoughts on some of the uh, big time additions that were made. What I want to do now is we're going to go out to the guest line and we're going to welcome in Patrick Finley, uh, Chicago Bears beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. And I thought it would be a, a good idea to, to get some insight on some of the lesser known additions to the team. Um, straight from the insiders, one of the first free agent moves that that, that Ziegler made was to bring in uh, a defensive tackle, uh, Bilal Nichols uh, from the Bears. So let's say hello to Patrick, and and we want to thank Patrick for the time. And, and you know, from what I have gathered about Nichols so far is that uh, he is really versatile. And, and, and that he can play inside as a tackle, but also has some experience on the edge as well. So, so, so Patrick, why don't we start there? Uh, talk to us a little bit about that aspect of his game first. Yeah, the Bears ran a 4-3 defense while Bilal Nichols was here. Uh, he was able to move inside on the pass rush downs and play some of that end position as well. Uh, you're right, he's versatile. Uh, he, uh, I think he thought a year ago that he was going to be able to cash in on the extension before the season started. Didn't get his extension and, and frankly had a somewhat disappointing season in his fourth year. Uh, I thought, uh, I, I thought this was a good situation for him, though. You know, the fact that he's getting a big paycheck for the first time in his career and, and that he's able to hit the market again in a couple of years. Uh, if he does well, he has a chance to cash in again. 
Well, that's that's good to know that he uh, can play along the line because new Raiders uh, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, uh, his scheme, you know, he's talked about wanting to be multiple. So having that flexibility to play inside and outside uh, makes makes Nichols a, a bit more attractive piece for that Raiders defense. And Patrick, I was looking at some um, pro football focus numbers, which is just one way to evaluate a player. Um, but I did see in 2021 he played 374 pass rush snaps versus 303 run snaps. Um, what, what can you tell us about where his greatest strengths lie? Yeah, he was a pure rotation player. It's, you know, he didn't really come off the field for any specific reason other than rest for the Bears and. Maybe that's the strength for him is that he has developed in the last couple of years from, I mean, this is a guy who's a third day draft pick out of Delaware. Like, you know, our joke to Matt Nagy when they took him was that they were just drafting somebody from Matt Nagy's alma mater because Nagy was one of the great players ever at the University of Delaware. So to go from that to somebody who is an integral part of the defense in, you know, four years is impressive. Uh, You're right. You know, his strengths, if I had to state them, would probably be, just that, that he is somebody who can stay on the field for all three downs and somebody who has improved, particularly from years one to three. He made some pretty big improvements. I think everybody was waiting for that huge step in year four. It didn't really happen, but uh, I still think he's uh, a pretty pretty darn good football player. You mentioned that you thought it was kind of a disappointing season for him this past season. And from what I read, uh, you know, the, the source that I was reading from said that it was uh, one of his best years of his career. So, so why don't you tell us why you believe uh, that he kind of took a step back and didn't have that year that, that you were hoping for? I think part of it, you know, quite honestly, with the contract had, uh, had something to do with it. Is that I think he was excited to put together a year that would get him a huge contract you know uh, you know at the end of it or he was looking for a a deal uh before the season started this is a guy who wound up with three sacks um you know that's two fewer than the year before uh you know the bears defense just wasn't as good quite frankly as it's been in in each of his previous three years too so i'm sure that had something to do with it but you feel like at least from talking to him that that he was a little disappointed uh as the season went on that, that he didn't pop more than he did um, now, you know, he'll have every opportunity to do it with the Raiders. And I'm not saying that he can't make that jump that we expected in year four, in year five. Uh, but I think he was expecting to do great things uh, in year four and, and fell a little short of that. Uh, we're chatting with Chicago uh, Bears beat writer Patrick Finley, getting some intel on the new defensive tackle, Bilal Nichols. Um, you know, I asked you about uh, some of his strengths and, and – um, you know, I'm curious to get your opinion on him as a pass rusher. 11 sacks, you mentioned he had three this past season and, and five the season before. 11 sacks in the, his time with the Bears, uh, 31 pressures a season ago. Do you think he is still developing in that area, or or is that five sacks number probably the, the ceiling for him? Yeah, no, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put the ceiling at five sacks for him. I think he can certainly get better. This is a guy who is... Uh, who is, you know, kind of outperformed his projections at every turn. I mean, he's a one double A football player who turned in to an NFL mainstay. And, and I don't like betting against guys like that because uh, he's proven people wrong before and he'll do it again. He's also 25. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be 26 uh, until right around week one, which means there's still plenty of time for him to grow. And, you know, if you're the, if you're the Raiders, you have to like a bet 
on a younger player like that because the room for him to get better is there. You know, you know, with the Bears, he surrounded himself with some really good players. I mean, Khalil Mack, <laughs> Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, uh, Robert Quinn, who all, all Quinn did was set the Bears' single-season sacks record this year. Uh, all of those guys, uh, uh, you know, offered something that he could borrow from, something he could steal uh, in terms of, you know, pass rush technique or mindset or attitude or scouting reports or whatever. So uh, that will help him going forward. And, and I'm sure, too, being around the Raiders, uh, really good pass rushers that they've assembled there. Um, you know, he will have a chance to steal a couple more tricks from some teammates, and uh, that'll be a good. Thing. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of a perfect segue here uh, to my, my final question I'd like to ask you about. Not that Khalil Mack or Robert Quinn are, are, are slouches by any means. Like you said, you mentioned some of the talented players that uh, uh, he played around. Um, but do you think that, again, only being 25 years old, I, I still feel like he's just now entering his prime. Do you feel like he could thrive playing alongside guys like Max Crosby and Chandler Jones coming off the edges? Heck, I think I could thrive playing along those guys. Those guys are pretty amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think he will. And, and you, know, you know, my God, what a luxury. You know, if, if Bilal Nichols at you know, age 26 can sit there and say, I've played with, with all those Raiders guys you've, you've mentioned and all those Bears guys. I, I mean, you know, what's the over-under on, on Hall of Fame uh, jackets for, for those six or seven players we just listed? What, one and a half, two and a half, something like that? Uh, you know, these are guys who are some of the greats to ever do it. And to be around them uh, is good, not only uh, for Bilal to learn, but also for the opportunities he'll get. I mean, you know, we used to joke with Khalil Mack here that, you know, people would triple team Mack and let anybody else try to beat him. And I'm sure that'll be the scouting report with the Raiders too, is worry about those edge rushers uh, first and foremost. And that should open up something in the underneath uh, for Nichols. And I think he'll have an opportunity there. Also, let's not forget that, you know, Champ Kelly, uh, the new, uh, you know, came to the Raiders front office from the Bears front office. You know, he was you know instrumental in uh, not only, you know, deciding to draft him, but watching his development over the last couple of years. So, you know, the Raiders have got some inside info here on what they're getting. And, and if I were a Raiders fan, that would be reassuring is that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, signing a guy who has really good connection with, you know, what the number two guy in your front office. That's a good thing. Yeah. You know what? That's a great point you brought up there. And I, and I forgot to mention that myself here, but you're absolutely right. Champ Kelly being a part of the, the new Raiders front office absolutely was a, a big time factor in, in the decision to, uh, to bring Bilal Nichols to the Raiders, but Patrick Finley, everyone, Chicago sun times, Patrick, really appreciate you just giving us a few minutes of your time and giving us some, uh, some, some good information on, on, uh, Nichols. And, and I know the listeners will appreciate the, the uh, feedback. Thank you very much. And uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, good stuff there from Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun Times, giving us a uh, you know good information on Bilal Nichols, and, and hopefully you, you feel like you you gained a little bit of insight there. Uh, real quick, my personal opinion on the move, I honestly didn't know a whole lot about Nichols, so that that interview was was very educational for me as well. And I'm gonna continue to to dig into um, Bilal Nichols and and watch some of the film on him. But um, you know, the, the, when you look at the, the terms of the contract two years 11 million dollars uh, I know pro football focus 
uh, does like an estimate of what they feel these free agents are, are going to receive. And they had him at around $9 million. So based on that, he comes in at just under $6 million per year. And I, I think that's a good uh, team-friendly deal for the Raiders. And, and there's a lot of upside with this player because of his age. He's young and he's still just, you know, again, entering his prime. So uh, hope you enjoyed that interview there. And what we're going to do now is I'm going to step aside and get my first break out of the way. And when I return from return from the break, uh, we're going to um, get go back out to the phone lines and we're going to welcome in Jonah Schaefer as well as Alan Poupart. We're going to get uh, get some of their information on, on Anthony Averett as well as Matt Collins. You don't want to miss those conversations. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, part of SportsNot.com. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Run right down the field on them. Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Yeah, Raiders! News, views, and guests. Just win, baby. There's only one nation, and they listen here. Once a Raider, always a Raider. We're going to keep things rolling here uh, on Just Pod Baby and welcome in our next guest this week. Joining us from the Baltimore Sun is Ravens beat writer Jonas Schaefer. And, and Jonas, I appreciate the time. I know that Zardarius Smith threw a monkey wrench into your plans uh, today, so we'll, we'll get right to it. And of course, I I, I brought you on to, because I want to ask you about the newly acquired cornerback for the Raiders, Anthony Averett. Um, he was... Last season, he was thrust into action, making 14 starts on the year due to all the injuries that the Ravens had in the secondary. So what can you tell us about how he responded uh, to that larger increase in, in playing time last season? You know, no one really expected him to be that much of a, uh, you know, that much of a big piece, as big a piece as he was last year. You know, he came into the season um, probably at best their third outside cornerback. Then Marcus Peters goes down with a torn ACL before the season. Marlon Humphrey obviously didn't have the season a lot of people expected from him, and he was lost, you know, toward the the end of that uh, that kind of disappointing 2021. Uh, but Avert from the beginning, really, of training camp was really impressive. You know, Wink Martindale, who's no longer the defensive coordinator here, but was I think one of uh, Avert's bigger backers. You know, said he had all pro potential toward the end of uh, training camp there in August. And, you know, he was one of the NFL's most targeted cornerbacks. I mean, if he hadn't you know, been knocked out for the last couple of games, he probably would have been the most targeted quarterback. And, you know, the PFF grades weren't that great, but I think if you just look at, you know, his passer rating allowed in coverage and just the total amount of yards that he, he did a good job in, in holding teams to, he was, uh, I think easily the Ravens' most impressive cornerback, you know, even better than Marlon Humphrey when he was still playing. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, what he can do there with the with the Raiders. Kind of surprised he didn't get a bigger deal, considering just you know what he showed last year and and the speed and the talent that he has. I mean, he was a fourth round pick and has the Alabama pedigree. So uh, you know, really nice guy rooting for him. Um, but again, you know, I think that the Raiders probably got a pretty good deal if the guy we saw in 2021 can come back in 2022. 
So, so that being said, you know, it sounds like he was a, a pleasant surprise for them uh, when he was, you know, forced into action. Um, were you at all surprised that uh, the, the Ravens let him go in free agency or, or was this something that was expected? Um, I think from the, the, you know, the sense around the team was that, you know, you wouldn't be able to get in for four and a half million dollars uh, like the, like the Raiders reportedly did. Um, I think they were content to, you know, give him a bigger stage. They were going to bring back Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters as their outside cornerbacks next year. So there wasn't really a spot where Averett could, you know, come in and settle as a starter um, you know, in terms of just him being able to fit. He, he's a guy who really hasn't played a whole lot inside despite his smaller frame and the Ravens are, are looking to, to find a guy there in the slot for next year or so. Um, obviously you can never have too many bodies at cornerback as the Ravens learned time and time again last season, but uh, you know, they don't have a huge amount of space. I think they're confident in their ability to find someone in the draft or, or cheaper in free agency, but uh, he just, you know, it seemed pretty clear early on that he, he did not fit in terms of their spending plan for, for next year. Now, the Raiders also brought in uh, Rocky Sin uh, through a trade with the Indianapolis Colts, so it looks like there could be a bit of a competition going on uh, at cornerback for the Raiders. But based on what you have seen uh, from Everett uh, during his time with the Ravens and, and you know getting that larger role last year, should Raider fans feel comfortable with him as an every-week starter? Should he earn that job, or, or do you think maybe he's better served you know, as that role as, as a backup and, and providing some depth? I think if he can stay healthy, uh, you know, he can definitely be your every week starter, but that's been the problem for him. It's just uh, a matter of, is he there to practice? Is he there uh, to hang up, uh, to hang around in games, you know, week after week, you know, an even longer season than it was. I mean, he didn't play super regularly when he was uh, in Baltimore over those first three seasons, partly because of the depth, but also, partly because he got knocked around a bit injury-wise. And you know, he did a great job with more snaps last year, but you know, he, he fractured his ribs uh, against the Bengals when the, the Ravens just got absolutely blown out in Cincinnati. So that took him out of commission. Obviously, that's not as serious as ligament damage. It's something you can bounce back from with time to recover from. Uh, but the, the question for, for a guy of, of his size um, is, you know, can he hang around for all 17 games? And if he's not a starter all 17 games, what else can he contribute? Because he really didn't do a whole lot on special teams in Baltimore either. And that's a, a huge way to, to make your way up the pecking order. You know, I don't think he played more than 25% of a season's special team snaps. So uh, maybe he'll have better luck at that if he doesn't have starters level minutes uh, with, with the Raiders, but it's going to be really interesting to see just, you know, how he develops and if his career takes off or it stagnates there. We're chatting with Jonas Schaefer from the Baltimore Sun, talking about new Raiders cornerback Anthony Everett. Um, you know, Jonas, a couple more for you, real quick, before I let you get out of here. Um, you mentioned the size. He, he's not the biggest guy, five eleven, about one hundred and eighty pounds. Not ideal size to play out on the corner or out, out on the outside. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to get your um, some information uh, from you on, on how he is in run support. Is he willing to put his nose in there? You talked about the injuries, or, or is he strictly a guy that you you know you 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 want him out there in coverage and, and not so much you know as a tackling machine? Yeah, I think it's definitely not a strength of his. Uh, just looking at the PFF numbers right now, uh, he actually graded out better as a run defender than he did in the pass rush, which is kind of surprising. Um, you know, it's obviously you can be a, a prisoner of certain memories and, you know, when 
the, the first time the, the Bengals blew the Ravens out in, in week seven, I think it was week six, thereabouts, um, when they were really just taking it to them late in the fourth quarter, uh, Avery just kind of, you know, folded like a, like a cheap chair, um, on a, on a run, on a run tackle attempt there that, you know, led to a 40 or 50 yard touchdown. So, um, you know, there were bigger guys, stronger guys who, uh, the Ravens trusted to, to make tackles who also couldn't last year. It was just one of those years where not a lot went right for the Ravens secondary. Um, you know, he's not a, he's not a scared guy. He's not going to shrink from the moment. I think he enjoyed being out there. I think he enjoyed being as targeted as he was. And I think he'll, you know, look, you know, rise to the challenge of and be willing to stick and stick his head there in run support. But obviously I think he is somewhat better protected there by being an outside cornerback, assuming that he doesn't have to come up in run support uh, as often as like a, you know, a slot guy might, or, or you know, a, a safety might, for instance. Uh, a final word here for you, um, new Raiders uh, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. You know he wants his corners to be able to play in man-to-man coverage, and I know Wink Martindale liked to bring a lot of pressure last season. How did Everett uh, hold up when when asked to be you know put out there on an island? Excuse me, I, I, he did he did pretty well. Uh, you know the Ravens blitzed a lot, not as much as they have in years past. But I think the Ravens' rate of man-to-man coverage is probably one of the highest in the NFL. So if the Raiders liked what they saw, uh, they probably were looking at a you know, quite a big sample size there. It's not like a, the Ravens weren't a zone-heavy team. Uh, they might have been you know, more zone-heavy toward the end of last year because they just didn't have the, the personnel to keep up with guys like Jamar Chase in coverage. But, uh, you know, the Ravens will have asked all their cornerbacks to play a lot of man-to-man coverage. So I don't think there's probably any doubts about his abilities there if the, the Raiders went out and signed him uh, and they're going to use that kind of defense next year. Um, you know, it's TBD, I guess, you know, if he's more valuable as a zone defender. I don't really have the, the stats there in front of me. But, um, you know, he's a guy who's sticky in coverage. Uh, you know, there's some games like the, the Colts game in primetime where a, a bigger defender – me a bigger receiver like Michael Pittman, uh, you know, went up there and kind of you know posterized them. I think he had you know allowed like 180 yards in coverage uh, during that that comeback win for the Ravens, but that was really the exception. Um, he, he did a, a great job sticking to guys. Otherwise, and uh, I think you know over the rest of the year, really only might have allowed like 400 yards total in coverage if you look at some of those the stats that are available on that stuff. So um, again, I, I think he was one of the Ravens' better defenders last year and. Um, if he can stay healthy, I don't know if he'll ever be an all pro. Like Wink Martindale said, he has the potential to be, but I think he could be a really, really underrated and, uh, you know, a valuable part of the defense. All right. Excellent rundown there. Great Intel Jonas. We really appreciate the time. Uh, again, I know you're a busy man, especially this time of year with all the, the free agency moves going on, but we appreciate you giving us a few minutes tonight. And, uh, I know the listeners will really appreciate it. Yeah. Happy to help, man. All right, nice job there by Jonas Schaefer uh, with the Baltimore Sun. And I think what's really interesting right now when I when I look at kind of how they're uh, attacking the cornerback position is, you know, you you bring in two corners, uh, three corners actually. They brought the kid in the kid from uh, uh, the Rams, who I think will be nothing more than a, a special teams player. But uh, you bring in Rockyson and you add Anthony Averett. I, I think Yasin, you, you can pencil him in as a starter. 
and and Averett will provide some competition to, I think, Mullen. I think if they're looking to light a fire under someone, it's got to be Mullen. But you continue to hear the rumors that Stefan Gilmore is still in the crosshairs. And so if they are to get a deal done with him, what does that mean for Trayvon Mullen? I think that's, I think that's the big question here. That That's kind of what I, I've got going on in my head is, what are you going to do with all these corners? I mean, you can only play so many at, at, at one time. I know there's a lot of nickel and dime defense going on now, nowadays in the NFL, and you, you always want to have depth. But are you going to uh, sit Mullen behind a guy like Gilmore? I mean, I, I suppose that's possible. Um, you know, he was brought in uh, under Mayock and Gruden, so you don't know how much or how highly the, the new staff feels or thinks about Mullen, but just some thoughts that are going through my head. Um, you know, as of right now, uh, there's been no, nothing offered to Gilmore, so we'll keep a close eye on that. And now, once again, we are going to go back out to the, the, the guest line for the final time this week, and we're going to be welcoming in Alan Poopart, publisher of All Dolphins for Sports Illustrated. And we had Alan on way back in September, so it's nice to speak with you again, Alan. A different time of the year now, a lot of new faces uh, in new places. And for the Raiders, that means wide receiver Matt Collins. So let's jump right into it. The Raiders, they had a major need at wide receiver. Uh, that was before they went out and made a trade for uh, Devontae Adams. Um, which I, I'm still stunned that that they were able to get that deal done. But let's talk about Mac Hollins right now for a minute. Uh, we're going to get into what he offers on special teams in, in just a moment. But uh, when I look at this size, he's 6'4", 220 pounds. Is there some untapped potential there, or is he nothing more than a, a low-end wide receiver four? Uh, he's never been given the chance to be anything more than that. But right off the bat, also, he's, don't forget, he's a very, very good special teams player as a gunner. Uh, it's a role he played for the Dolphins, led the team in special teams tackles, if I'm correct. So he, he'll contribute in that way. As far as wide receiver is concerned, he's never been really given that much of a chance, even before he joined the Dolphins and was with the Eagles. And But with the Dolphins, uh, I didn't see somebody who ran bad routes. Uh, I didn't see like egregious drops very often, if at all. I don't recall. And he may have dropped a pass here or there. Um and he's made some nice catches as well. And you guys are in uh, in Vegas will remember that that famous uh, catch that set up the game-winning field goal in that wild game in December 2020. So there's something there. I do think, yeah, he could become better. Uh, I mean, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. He's not Devontae Adams. Um, Sorry, he'll have to play second fiddle. Let's settle for playing second fiddle to, to Adams and with the Raiders. That's for sure. But um, I think he's somebody who could be, you know, a contributor in the passing game for the Raiders. Yeah, you mentioned not not getting the opportunity. I looked up, you know, his snap numbers with the Dolphins. I believe he played in 27% of the offensive snaps uh, in 2020 and only 30% of the offensive snaps in 2021. So I think you're onto something there uh, with possibly a larger role. Um, and he did have the, the career-high 223 yards receiving, along with four touchdowns, which is also a career-high last season. Um, but in your opinion, how would he? How would Hollins best be utilized uh, as a receiver within this Raiders offense? Well, I'm, I'm not terribly familiar with the Raiders offense. I, uh, I mean, I've seen him play a few times that I didn't really necessarily... But but, but in terms of like he's not he's not a slide guy he's not a slide guy he's an outside receiver right um, that's what I would tell you and he's got the ability to go deep and you mentioned the size he, he can go up uh, he has the ability to high point the ball 
over receivers, even though it's not something that he's done on a regular basis. So no, and part of us in the media last year here were wondering why he wasn't getting more snaps at a time when there were injury issues on, on this Dolphin wide receiver core. So I think there's something there. Uh, I don't know that I'd expect it, but if it were to happen, given more opportunities to produce, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he could be somebody who gives you 45, 50 catches. Yeah, you know, and I apologize for the poorly worded question. I guess what I was what I was trying to ask was, uh, do you, you know, based on the size, six four, do you feel like he could be utilized possibly uh, in the red zone a little bit more? You know, I don't know where the touchdown. The, I said the four touchdowns. I'm not sure exactly on what type of plays they occurred, but uh, you know, the Raiders could use some help in the red zone. That's an area where they struggled last year. Is that something that he does well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and he gets open. And I remember one of his touchdowns in 2020 came against Arizona when he basically went over the defender on a, a kind of, I'm not sure if I'd call it a, a jump ball, but it was kind of like a high throw in the corner of the end zone. And he did a really nice job of going over the defender. So absolutely. And he's certainly got the size at 6'4". And again, he's got pretty good hands. I don't know that I've seen him make like spectacular catches, but he catches what's in his direction. So absolutely, I did think he could be a red zone uh, contributor. Yeah, we're chatting with Alan Pupart, uh, publisher of All Dolphins for Sports Illustrated. Uh, let's talk about Hollins now, where he makes his money, and that's on special teams. You mentioned he was a major contributor for them. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about you know what he brings to the table in that phase of the game. Is he is he play on all all the coverage teams, all the special teams, or is he primarily used in one one area? Well, the place where you'll notice him the most is on. Um, Pun coverage because he's a gunner and he'll get downfield very, you know, very winding and he can make plays and tackles and down the ball. Uh, the other thing about Mac Hollins that I don't want to make sure that I don't want to leave this phone call without mentioning is he's got a fabulous personality. I don't know if you guys ever, ever heard him, uh, if he's done anything media wise so far with the Raiders, but he is very, very lively personalities, a really interesting guy. He's got a couple of snakes, two or three, I believe. He was talking last year about maybe getting a pet gator. Uh, and he's also very interesting in interviews. He's got a very nice perspective on things, always a smile on his face. Um, so that, that I think is very important to mention, that it, which is part I can tell you that I'm, I was sad to see him go. I was surprised the Dolphins didn't re-sign him, especially since the Raiders only gave him a one-year deal. I can tell you that my fellow media members in South Florida all were very disappointed that he left. He won the Good Guy Award, uh, handed out by the media last year for his cooperation. So that gives you the, the type of idea of what kind of guy you're getting. And he's a leader. He's a captain, not on special teams, on offense for the Dolphins last year, even though he was a part-time player, which basically, again, tells you his leadership qualities uh, and you know, uh, but but the main thing he does on special teams is is being a gunner. Wow, great stuff there. That was that was great information there. I, I appreciate that, Alan. And you know, you mentioned uh, the fact that you're losing a, a great leader in and Matt Collins, a guy who was 
loved by the media. You're going to be getting a guy that is going to be bringing you some of the same qualities in your new fullback for the Dolphins, Alec Ingold, who of course spent the last couple of years with the Raiders. Same type of guy, great leader, very well liked in the media. I was actually lucky enough to get him here uh, as a guest on the podcast a couple of times. So uh, I think you'll enjoy covering Alec Ingold. He does a lot of work within the community here in Las, uh, in Las Vegas. So uh, I think you'll he'll, he'll help fill that void a little bit for you guys uh, in the media. But Alan, thank you so much for the time. Uh, just wanted to quickly get you on to get some some quick thoughts about uh, Matt, uh, Matt Collins. And I think you did a great job there uh, filling us in a little bit. All right, thank you, Evan. Anytime. All right. Uh, busy show today. Busy, busy show. Uh, hope you enjoyed all three of those guests. Uh, big thanks again to Patrick Finley, Jonas Schaefer, as well as Alan Poupart. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of information there. And, and I hope that you uh, uh, found that insightful. And, uh, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm going to continue to uh, try to work on getting some some people from the Colts as well as the Patriots uh, because there's a, there's a few other players that were signed that we did not discuss this week, but uh, you know that'll give us something to discuss uh, next week. So uh, I hope everyone out there enjoyed the show. Appreciate the support as always. Please go out there and give me a, uh, a follow on Twitter, uh, egrote 5 if you have not done so already. Make sure you click the subscribe button uh, on the podcast so you don't want to miss it. We're going to be starting to do some of the our, our draft prep and our draft preview here uh, in the near future here on Just Pond Baby. But I hope everyone uh, has a great weekend. Go out there and watch a little bit of March Madness now. Enjoy the basketball as well. And as always, just win, baby.